We take a session now on the 11th verse of chapter 3, but I'm printing it here with verses 9 and 10 because there's an important connection. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. But Christ is all and in all. Father, few things could be more important relationally, culturally, than verse 11. Globally, there are ethnic wars, and uh, locally, ethnic and racial strife. There has been for a long time, and this is very radical, very needed. And I pray that you would open our minds to understand it and our hearts to embrace it and our lives to conform to it. In Jesus' name, amen. The word here, here there is not Greek and Jew, refers to the church where this is happening, right? Do not lie to one another, seeing, one, that you have put off the old self with its practices, and two, you have put on the new self, being renewed after the image of its creator. The mark of the old self was that it was a me-centered self, reflected up in the previous verses with sexual immorality and evil desire and impurity, and reflected a few verses later with these put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. And you can see in these, this anger is moved to malice and slander. I presume that's happening in the community at Colossae, which is why he moves to don't lie to one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't lie about one another. Put away those practices of the old self. And of course, you can imagine how those practices would really wreck relationships, and we would be tempted to get angry and to be malicious and to be slanderous if we had any prejudices against people like barbarians or the uncircumcised or Scythians or slaves. So there's a close connection between getting rid of the old self and putting on the new self after the image of its creator with true knowledge of the gospel, knowledge like this. So the new self is the Christ-centered self, not the me-centered self. And lest it go unnoticed, this is a focus on the individual, right? These are very individual things. You, you put off your old self individually. Get rid of that old nature of yours and put on the new you individually. And then it moves to this amazing corporate and relational reality. It can't happen any other way. If we neglect the radical call for killing the old self and the radical call for killing 
the new self, I mean, <laughs> creating or uh, putting on the new self, this will never happen. And lest it go unnoticed, this has to happen for Jews. This has to happen for the Greek. This has to happen for the Scythian. This has to happen for the slave. It's not just the stronger person or the weaker person in these relationships, the one with higher standing or lower standing in culture. Everybody must become new if this church, this society here is to be what it ought to be. I've listed who these groups are to just sum up the tensions. Jew and Greek are mentioned. That is, some Jews with covenantal privilege, and then some viewed as unclean latecomers, Greeks, Gentiles. And then he mentions it again, same thing, circumcised and uncircumcised, just drawing attention to the fact that those who conform to all the traditions of the privilege, that's circumcision, and those who bear no marks of that privilege, that's uncircumcision. And then he mentions barbarians. Who are they? The foreigners, uncultured, foolish by Greek and Jewish standards, weird languages, so they sound like bar, 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 bar. That's, the, that's where the word barbarian comes from, symbols that made no sense to anybody. They didn't like them because they were uncultured and their language was weird by their own standards, Greek, Jewish. And then Scythian, the distant people north of the Black Sea, epitome of unrefinement and savagery, of whom Josephus writes, Scythians who delight in murdering people and are little better than wild beasts. So true or not, that was the perception of many, according to Josephus. And then slave and free, the opposite poles of the economic strata of society. So just think of it. What a church. What a church. <laughs> How in the world would such a company, society, relational reality be possible? So in this church here, where people have put off the old self and put on the new self and where Christ is supreme, there isn't Greek and Jew and circumcised and uncircumcised and barbarian and Scythian and slave and free. So what's the alternative? And he says it two ways. Christ is in all. Christ is all. What does that mean? First, Christ is in all. Consider Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified. Now, that's the putting off of the old nature referred to in verse 10. With Christ, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He is in all. Christ is in Christians. He is in all of us. He's in the free. He's in the slave. He's in the Scythian. He's in the barbarian. Whoever trusts Christ is united to Christ, and Christ is in them. That's very radical. You don't abuse people. You don't disrespect people. You're not hostile to people. You don't hurt or reject or exclude people 
in whom is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is very radical. And then Christ is all. What does that mean? Consider Philippians 3. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is more valuable than anything. That's what it means to say Christ is all. He is more valuable than all. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count all things as rubbish in order to gain Christ. So I think when it says Christ is all, it means for people who have been finding their meaning, their significance in their Greekishness or their Jewishness or their religious rigor, or those who have thought they had no significance, perhaps, barbarians, Scythians, slaves, and those who think their freed standing has made them have the kind of meaning that they need, none of that is true anymore. They've put off that old way of thinking, and they've put on the new self, which is the self that counts Christ as more precious than all. I summed it up like this, jotted this down. Once we boasted in our culture and our intellect, like the Greeks, but now Christ is all. Once we gloried in our tradition and our religious rigor, like the Jews, but now Christ is all. Once we got our strokes because of our ethnic pedigree, but now Christ is all. Once we reveled in not being like the barbarians and the shabby Scythians, but now Christ is all. Or, flip it around, once we resented not being the cultured, not being rigorous, not having cultured pedigree, not having wealth and refinement, but now Christ is all. So I think it's hard to say anything by way of ethnic strife and racial tension more radical than Colossians 3.11. Of course, there are numerous other passages in the New Testament that get at the same reality. But let me just end by drawing attention again to the fact that it all flows from individual Christians putting off their old self, old self-centered, self-exalting, self-enhancing person, identity, and putting on the new self. And the essence of the new self is that it is inhabited by Christ and it treasures Christ above all. And if you were to ask, and this is important to end with perhaps, does this mean there is not Greek, Jew, Scythian, barbarian? Does that mean that those ethnic, racial, physical, psychological, cultural, um, taste, 
realities, all the things that go into making up people groups that are different, does all of that vanish? Well, it doesn't. It can't vanish. Some of it's just plain too obvious to vanish. So if I read, which I have read uh, scholars who say, these things now in Christ make no difference. No difference. So being a Scythian makes no difference. Being a barbarian makes no difference. Being a Jew and a Greek make no difference. I don't think that's right. It's, it, I know it's well meant. It's just not quite right. Let, let, let me propose that we say it like this. It should make no dishonoring difference. It should make no unloving, if I can write it, difference. It should make no divisive difference. Now, that's, I think, what the people mean when they're getting at this. There is too much richness in the world's ethnic diversity among the 10,000 people groups that God has brought into being in the world to say that in the kingdom of Christ, none of that means anything. That's not true. It means significant things, but it doesn't mean that we view each other in any way dishonoring or in any way unloving or in any way exclusive or divisive. That's, I think, what it means when it says there is not Greek. There is not Greek in a dishonoring way. There is not Greek in an unloving way. There is not Greek in a divisive way. But those realities are there, and now they become precious. Now they become beautiful. Now they become part of the fabric that makes up the body of Christ.